message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. And um, I found an old hard drive. I was cleaning out the garage, and hard drive still worked, and that video was on. And I was like, huh, that message actually kind of fits with today. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord, right? Do we always remember that? You know, are we driving down the freeway thinking about everything's going to be fine? You know, everything's good because God is with me right now. Or, or are we thinking those kids or the bills or the, you know, work stuff that I'm dealing with, that person that's annoying me? There's always somebody, right? The devil always uh, sends some sort of a distraction or some sort of an annoyance or some sort of a pain right? And, um, and we have an opportunity to use those to strengthen ourselves or, or just give in and give up. And, um, you know, it's for some of you guys, uh, you know, crowds are looking good. People are coming back. Some of you guys are online. The last couple of years, there have been opportunities for some of us, right, to fully give up, to fully give in. I remember in 2019, sitting in here, uh, back in this section over here, we were having a prayer session with the pastors, and um, this was late uh, 2019 and before COVID started, and um, we were having that mishap with the with the uh, <laughs> homeless shelter down there, and uh, that got completely skewed and out of context, and I just remember being kind of down and depressed and um, thinking, man, how is all this going to work out? And God spoke to me very heavily, and he said, everything's going to be okay. He didn't say it's going to be easy. He didn't say it's going to be uh, fun. He didn't say it was going to be without uh, the stretching and without the pushing and without the falling over and without the getting dusty and getting up. And he didn't say that that, that none of that would would not be there. He, He basically, God was speaking and saying that, there's something kind of big coming, but it's going to be okay. So two lessons from that. One, if God ever tells you it's going to be okay, be afraid because it's going to be bad, okay? But just for a second, and then realize that God will be with you throughout it. And when King David wrote, um, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me, that's why he feared no evil. That's why he wasn't worried. Not because the evil wasn't there. Not because the issues and the uh, enemies, arrows, and all these things that, that the devil has for us. It's, it's waiting for you, right? You're, you're safe. You're in church today. You're watching online. Maybe you're not as safe online because something could happen at the house. A pipe could break or something. I hope that doesn't happen. But we're here today. We're safe. We're feeling good. We put our shirts on, right? We put our clothes on. Yes, this is good. Don't clap yet. Um, but the devil's waiting for you. It's okay. All right. Why is it okay? Because he's with us, right? And that's what I'm talking about today. So uphill battle. Uh, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. I'm actually going to read um, a, good, a good chunk here in Genesis to start off. But let's go ahead and pray. 
And let's believe that God is going to speak to each and every single one of us for all of our good, right? Father, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for who you are. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just take our hearts again. Lord, mold us, shape us, remind us why we're here, Lord. We're here because you loved us. And we realized that at one point, and we responded to that love. If there's anybody here who hasn't, I pray that you'd open up their hearts today. I pray that you keep, make this a safe place. Make this a sanctuary. Whether they're watching online, whether they're at another campus, or they're here, it doesn't matter, Lord. Let that be a sanctuary, a safe place, Lord, for them to hear you so you can work on their hearts and change them. Change us. Bring us closer to you. Let us uh, walk away from childish things, Lord. And I pray that if there's anybody here that is feeling like giving up, that they would be encouraged today. Not only encouraged, but energized. And that the guilt and the weight of the world would just fall off their shoulders because of what you did, on the, because of what you did by sending your son on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for that. Pray that you guide us by your spirit. Amen. Genesis in Genesis chapters 2 and 3, uh, we have the creation story. I, I don't always know what I'm going to talk about. And uh, last week I was supposed to speak, but I got sick. I had a message uh, somewhat prepared. Um, and then it went south from there because I was in bed. But um, that message was different than this message. Why? Because this is a different week. And one thing I've noticed is, you know, it's... It's much less important for me to come out here and blow your mind with some new information or uh, make you laugh or whatever. Th those are good things. Those are great. I love when that happens. But the, the, my job is to give you timely information, right? And it might be information you've heard before. It might be information that, you, uh, that you've uh, heard a lot of times before. Sometimes we're redundant in church. The, the Bible, the Word, sometimes seems redundant, but it's timely information. So you see, how many of us know the words? Yes, but how many of us actually apply them every single day? How many of us are actually putting that uh, work in? And, 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 and honestly, it's been tough. It's been tough for me. It's been tough for a lot of people around me. I know it's been tough for you, but we're not giving up. We're going to move forward. So in, in, in Genesis, uh, a lot of times I go back to Genesis to kind of uh, think about, you know, how things started, where it went wrong, you know, all that stuff. And, um, and so I went to Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, and this is when God uh, creates man and woman. I saw something interesting. I, I, it's funny. The Bible's crazy. I saw something new that I've never seen before. This is going to blow your minds, all right? This is one of those moments. All right, so in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. You shall not eat, right? In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die, okay? You shall surely die. Then... In verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Then he makes the woman. So God told the man about the tree before the woman was even there. You know what that means, right? That means that it was the man's responsibility to give the message, right? <laughs> I've, been, I've, had this, I've had this all wrong. I've been blaming the woman. And uh, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Because I understand that men, sometimes we forget to pass along the message. 
It was kind of a big one. If he had a refrigerator, he should have uh, made the biggest note he could. By the way, that tree, stay away from that, right? <laughs> the man was, he was not the brightest. Uh, it was a, I mean, God created a, a, a template and he hoped we'd grow from there. I think it's been an up and down kind of thing. But in chapter three, the, we see the serpent contacting and talking to the woman, which is also weird. And, um, and he starts to argue with her and tell her, hey, no, this tree's good. You know, I know your husband may have mentioned it, but this tree is good. You, you'll, if you eat of it, you're going to be wise. You're going to be just like God. You're going to know the difference between good and evil, right? And so in verse 6, it says, so when the woman saw the tree was good, for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that it, the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her. Right? <laughs> he was with her whole time, sitting there. She's talking to a snake, and he's just sitting there. Right? I'm telling you, I'm seeing a lot more blame on the on the man at this point. And he was with her. She hands him some food, and what do we do, guys? Your wife hands you some food, and you're, all right, cool. I'm going to eat it, right? <laughs> Pay attention. Your wife might be poisoning you, okay? It's possible. Seriously, though, if your wife is really into Dateline or those murder mysteries, she's taking notes. She has a notebook out. She's taking notes. You might want to be careful. So they eat of the fruit that they're not supposed to eat. And the result was in verse seven, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They knew they were naked. That was the knowledge that they gained. They gained knowledge of their own nakedness, of their own vulnerabilities, right? Made them insecure. It's funny because you think about uh, now being the age of knowledge. We all have access to all the information in the world from our phones. Whether we can trust that information or not, that's a, that's a whole thing. But we can argue about it on social media, right? We have all the information in the world. And guess what's rising as well? Anxiety, depression, fear, mental illness, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. It's all rising. Because knowledge doesn't always make you feel better, right? It doesn't make you uh, realize that things are good. It, it makes you realize things are not so good. I heard a statistic um, in a book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell. I forget which book it was. I think Talking to Strangers. But um, in the book, it might have been that one. I don't know. Anyway, in the book, he talks about how today, today's day and age, it's safer to let kids play outside than it was 20 or 30 years ago. Like there's actually less kidnappings, less uh, accidents today. But the fact that we know about all the evil in the world, we are freaked out and we don't let our kids. When was the last time we saw kids playing in the front yard, right? It doesn't happen as often. Maybe it does in your neighborhood. I think Bakersfield's a little bit uh, better sometimes with that stuff. But, you know, maybe you live in a bad neighborhood and maybe your kids shouldn't be outside. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, but my point is, is that statistically speaking, the, the, the dangers haven't changed as much on the outside, the dangers are much more internal because of the information we're given, right? It's the information itself or the connection to the outside world that's actually messing us up, right? 
verse 8 says, And when they heard the sound of the, uh, of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid, himself, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But, verse 9, The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? God knew, but he wanted him to answer, right? Verse 10 says, And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you you were naked? Because that wasn't a thing before, right? They didn't have clothes before. They were just naked. They were just, they were just them. They were themselves. And God said, Who told you you were naked? Who told you to worry about yourself? Who, who gave you this complex, Right? Have you eaten? So then God says, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, he blames it completely on the woman. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, it's the serpent told me that... Uh, <laughs> I was supposed to eat it, right? It says the serpent deceived me and I ate. So then God looks at the serpent. So apparently blame works in this situation. But you have done this. Uh, so, so God says to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. Your belly, on your belly you shall go. Dust you shall eat the day, days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. Now he, a lot of times we talk, we, we mentioned um, uh, in other teachings that the, the he here is talking about Jesus. He shall bruise your head and, your, uh, and you shall bruise his heel. And so in the end, Jesus wins this battle, but, but the serpent is just squirming around looking for, for prey from then on out, from, from here on out. But to the woman, he also had words, right? Uh, verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Read that right there. How many of you guys have had a marriage uh, squabble lately at all? A little one, maybe a big one. Maybe you're about to divorce, okay? Right here, it says, your, it says the, the woman's desire will be contrary to the husband's. That's part of the curse. That's part of sin, right? You're like, we're not on the same page. Yeah, because of the curse. It's part of sin. It says, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face, and you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust and to dust you shall return. So not only is God saying that you will actually die on earth now, your body will give out, he's saying you're going to have to work for your food. And so for the woman, um, God puts this strife inside of her that has to do with her kids, her childbearing, her raising children. And for the man, he puts this strife inside of him that has to do with work and uh, what he puts his hands to. And it's interesting because how many of us men know that work is a big thing? It's a big deal. Career, what you do every day, the pressures that you have. 
And, and it's almost like there's a battle between our work life and our home life. When we come home, it's like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta relax and, and, and I've, gotta, I've gotta get away from that world where I was frustrated with that person and I need to come home and I need to love my kids. And that's not easy to do. It's part of the curse, right? So women have, have a little bit of grace with your husband if he comes home and brings work home and tell him, hey, it's part of the curse, move on, right? But when you get home, husbands and the wife has been taking care of the kids. Now it's summer. Kids are home. You know, it's a, the kids are a lot of work, especially when they're little. You know, I can't wait till the day till the kids, we can put them to work, right? That's great. That's work too because you got to train them and teach them. It's just, it's, it's never ending, right? Each stage there's different, uh, there's different stresses that I see on mothers' faces and fathers' faces. But the, really the mothers carry it, don't they? And that's your concern. And so you, your husband gets home, he's talking about work. You're thinking, man, this isn't important. But it's all part of the curse, right? It's all part of the curse. And I won't, I won't read the last part, but basically God kicks them out of the garden as well. And since that point on, it has been an uphill battle for us, right? It has been difficult. Now, there's three things from this chapter that I want to pull out um, and just make known, okay? The first thing is the knowledge that they brought, that they sought, what they were looking for, right, brought fear and vulnerability. Fear and vulnerability, right? Again, not to beat a dead horse, but technology has done nothing but brought more fear and vulnerability. Sure, you can click a button and figure out how to get to your closest Starbucks. And you can even order your Starbucks. And you can drive in and pick it up. But how many of you guys would trade that for a simpler life again, right? But technology is moving faster and faster. And if you, can't, if you don't keep up, right, it's all part of the, the plan. I was watching a TED Talk from 1998. Uh, Billy Graham did a TED Talk. You should look it up. Seriously, look it up. It's amazing. Uh, but he talks about technology in 1998. He's in, uh, the TED Talks happened in the Bay Area. Um, he was speaking to all these uh, Bay Area um, Silicon Valley execs. And, and, and he basically uh, throws down and tells these guys, he's like, your technology, it's interesting hearing you guys talk about your technology and how you're going to create the future and how you're going to uh, do all these things. He's like, but there's a few things that technology cannot fix, and one is the evil of man. One is, and, and another is, is, is death itself, right? And there's people trying to work on that through technology, trying to live forever, right? Well, it's easy to live forever. You just follow Jesus. You leave your life to him, right? And so Billy Graham goes on and talks about, you know, how technology can't do it, but there's a, there's a void inside of us. There's, a, there's, there's something missing inside of man, and only Jesus can fill that void. And, um, and it was so cool to, to just think about that. I think a lot of us, we have problems today, okay? Think about your problem, whatever it is, your biggest problem right now. Think about it. Think about your biggest problem. Biggest problem. Biggest problem. Think about it, okay? What is that to you, and what is that to God? To you, it's something you can't fix yet. It, to you, it's something that's still there. To you, it's something that might even feel like it's impossible. But when God looks at it, he says, easy easy, right? All you have to do is continue to ask him and talk to him and learn to listen to him and get into the word again, get into the things that you did at first, right? When, when you do that, he'll show you what to do. He really will. 
And sometimes if it's a, if it's a physical thing, he'll send you to the doctor. If, it's a, if your car's not running well, he'll send you to the mechanic, the obvious things, right? But pray about the mechanic, pray about the doctor, pray about where you're going, live by faith, and watch God take care of you every single day. That's what it's about, right? That's what it's about. The second thing that I wanted to talk about in, in Genesis 3 here is that the curse of man, uh, I already talked about this really, the curse of man brought work um, as the forefront of his issues, and then uh, the curse of woman brought children, right? Uh, to her mind, mostly. And, so, and, and I just want to say this real quick. Some of you guys don't have kids. You're young. Um, I get it. Uh, but you're, you're, you could someday, or even if you're not, I still think that um, women that are single have a nurturing spirit to them, and I, they don't concern themselves with kids. They concern themselves with somebody. And uh, I've seen that. I don't know if that's always the case. But, um, but women, just uh, realize that your concern is there from God, right? It's part of the curse, but it's also part of the blessing. Um, and men, when we work, realize that we're not working for the man, right? We're not working for this boss. Maybe you have a boss, but that's not who you're working for. When you work, work for God and, and change your mindset. And when I say that, I know it sounds like lofty and kind of like mysterious, but no. What I mean is go to work and say, God, I'm here for you today. I'm here for you. What can I do? How can I serve you? And a lot of times he will give you favor, just like he did Joseph in the Bible, right? Um, the third thing is that God kicked him out of the garden because they would have access to the tree of life. And I thought that was interesting because he didn't want them to, he wanted them to be out of the garden, and he knew the only way for man to survive at this point was to rely on him. And if he was back in the garden, he could ignore God and go right to the tree, the thing that God made, right? Some, sometimes I think we get focused on um, relying on the creations of God or the gifts of God, the things of God, the people of God, the relationships that are in our lives or the job that he's given us or, or the education he's allowed us to have. We, we start to rely on the creations, the gifts that he, gives, that he gave us instead of him alone, right? Um, some of you guys are still relying on something that got you somewhere in the past, but you're relying on it now and you're not supposed to be relying on it. You're supposed to be relying on him. So it's a personal walk, right? And it's a daily walk and you got to get that fresh, fresh, fresh food from him, right? So an uphill battle, I was thinking about it. And um, what happens when you climb a mountain? What happens what happens when you climb a mountain? Think about it. Does the mountain change? When you climb a mountain, does it change? No. What changes? You. So look, we've been, we've been on a climb. We've been climbing. And some of us are tired. But guess who's changing? Us. God is allowing things to happen in our lives that seem difficult because he's changing us. He's getting us in shape, right? Romans 12, 1 through 2, um, verse I use all the time, but I'm going to use it again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, okay, which means completely changed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, which sounds a lot like trial and error, right? That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So be transformed by the renewal of your mind. But do that by 
living as a sacrifice. What does that mean? Putting your body out there and saying, I'm a sacrifice. What that means is you're, un, uh, you're not worried about what happens to you. You're more concerned about what happens in the kingdom of heaven. You're more concerned about what happens with your family and your home. You're more concerned about what happens in the church than you are your own physical body. And when somebody actually sacrifices their body, they have given up worrying about themselves. Um, I was in a bookstore uh, Friday, um, and my wife was, uh, she's doing a spa thing down in LA, so I just went to Barnes and & Noble, and, and I was looking for uh, something on human growth, just like, I, I wanted to, not, not like uh, working out, but like um, just grow, growing as a human or something, or, you know, just self-help, like I was in that section, just kind of looking around, and I noticed that a lot of the titles of the books, pretty much most of them, if not all of them, were uh, all about the individual. They were all about, you know, you can do better, you can do this, you know, uh, uh, you know be yourself. Uh, it was all about individualism, and I noticed that there was nothing about relationships in there. And I thought, you know what? As humans, I think one of the keys to growth is our relationships with one another. And I think it's one of the most important keys. And I think that's why when Jesus talks about um, uh, us as the church, as his body, right, uh, we're, all, we're all part of the same body. Without each other, what are we? What are we? Right? We are the church. And I think it's important for us to find our identity in that. But it's a fight. It's a wrestle, and it's not about being perfect. It's about getting back up. Look at Romans 7, 14 through 25. Paul, this is the Apostle Paul, okay? Tough guy, mentally, uh, spiritually tough, very tough. But he struggled. Verse uh, 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Let's stop there. But check this out. Paul is struggling, and he's writing this down, and he puts it in the letter, and he sends it to the people. And he says, I struggle. I don't do what I want to do. And sometimes I do what I don't want to do, and I get stuck in this cycle. Right now, there's 2.2 million prisoners in the United States, I think. I think, think that's right. I, I'm trying to remember. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But over half of them are under the age of 35. And a lot of those young people under 35 are repeat offenders. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, these, these prisoners, they get arrested, right, for something that they did or something that somebody else did that was with them, right? They get arrested, then they have to go through the system, they get convicted, and then they go to jail or in prison, right? And they're incarcerated. And then that is a whole different system where they're told who they are, right, at a young age. And so if that happens twice, then the prisoner starts to think, this is who I am. I'm a prisoner. I'm a bad person. I'm a prisoner. This is who I am. Happens three times, right? They are back in the system, and very often, sadly, they will become known as a lifer, right? 
somebody who just keeps going back in. And I knew somebody like this who um, was more comfortable on the inside than the outside. And um, he, was, he was such a fun guy, cool guy. Um, he ended up dying of a drug overdose uh, when I did the funeral for him. But he had a brokenness to him. And, and, and I felt that brokenness. And that brokenness was based on a belief that he was a lifer, that he was who he was. He was incarcerated at a young age, and he just believed, because that's what he was told, because that's what he could see. That's all he could see, right? Some of you guys, you feel like you're a lifer in a different way. You feel like you're a lifer to sin. You're a lifer to, you know, that personality quirk, or you're a lifer in one way or another, but, 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 but you don't understand, you see? Just like the 30-year-old who's been to jail twice, he's got a lot of life to live beyond that. He's got a lot of places to go beyond that. He's not a lifer. He's just believing that he is, and he's staying in chains, chains that, are, that have been broken and completely severed by the cross of Jesus. And for those of you guys that... That, um, that feels stuck. You feel like you can't move on. You can't get better. I'm telling you right now, that is only based on your beliefs, and your beliefs are wrong. Your beliefs are wrong. God is not the God only of what we can see, but God is the God of what we cannot see, right? Faith, what is faith? It's the assurance of things hoped for. The assurance, like I know I'm going to get what I hope for. That's what faith is. And it's the conviction of things, what? Not seen. It's knowing that even though you can only see so far, you can only see the horizon. On a Bakersfield smoggy day, you can't even see the mountains, right? You can't see that far. But God sees what's beyond those mountains. He sees what's beyond the horizon. He sees what he can give you if you just change your beliefs. And change the way you see the world, right? Let, let me just give you a, a real hint this morning. I'm just, notes don't matter today. Um, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hurdles in life. There's a lot of mountains to climb. There's a lot of hills to climb, valleys, right? There's a lot of things going on. But your problems are tiny, tiny, tiny compared to the greatness of God and who he is. And you're just so busy looking at the tiny problem and your back's hurting and you're just, ah, what do I, looking at this problem. My parents moved into a retirement community. It's kind of interesting. My wife said she saw an older lady just staring at her garden the other day. And I was like, well, she's, that's what she does. Like she's retired. She's, she's really like, that was important to her. You know, nothing wrong with that. But some of us stare at our little problems and our sins, just like that lady who's staring at the garden and just stare at it. What am I going to do? I don't know. When God is just right here saying, hey, I got something better for you. Just believe, right? And we will get through. I have a lot more notes, but it doesn't matter. It matters that God is speaking to us, right? So this summer, um, we're going to have some special speakers, good speakers, awesome speakers. I mean, top of the line. Um, and it's going to be fun. I know some of you guys are going to be on vacation a couple weeks this year. That's fine. Permission. Go ditch one or two Sundays, okay? We're going to ditch. I'm going to ditch the next uh, few. I'll be here, but uh, my dad and I aren't speaking for the next uh, eight weeks, uh, I think, or six weeks. I don't know. But I assure you we're going to be working hard on building the basis for this church moving forward. 
And one of the questions that I am struggling with right now, and you guys can always email me or hit me up on social media. Um, I like it when you guys do. But I'm thinking right now of how, how the church looks when we really learn to rely on each other and really learn to, to be a community. Um, and I know it's very broad, but I, I really want to focus on relationships. And so we're going to try to do a, a campaign in the um, end of the summer called Love Over Everything, where we just choose to, to lean in. We choose to lean in. Somebody's upset with you, you choose to lean in. Somebody uh, has offended you, you choose to lean in, right? And, and, and in leaning toward them, you're leaning toward God and saying, God, help me love them, right? Uh, I think we can be a church that continues to grow in depth, in roots, in long, deep roots as we continue to, to bond with each other. And so if you guys have any issues with somebody who's a believer, take care of that today. Don't let that pass, okay? Because it's that disunity that the enemy works in. And so ask for forgiveness if you need to ask for forgiveness, or tell someone you forgive them, even if they don't ask for forgiveness. Let love be your guide, okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and Lord, I pray this summer would be productive for all of us, that we'd all grow, that we'd all choose to put habits in place and choose to become spiritually um, able and, and, and that we would build endurance in our lives. Lord, we love you, God. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to run away. We're going to lean towards you. We're going to run towards you. When in doubt, we're going to you, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that you just guide us by your spirit today. If there's anybody here who wants, needs to make a decision to get back to you, I pray that you give them that grace right now, give them that strength. If that's you, just, just uh, raise your hand real quick. I'm going to pray for you. That's you. All right. Lord, I pray, God, right now that you would just move on these people's lives, God, and move on their hearts, move on their souls. And if anybody else needs prayer, you guys can come up here at the end and get prayer. But, uh, Lord... Bless every person that came today. Bless every person that is listening today. And bless them with your forgiveness, your love, your grace, your mercies, and everything good that you have to give. And let us trust you more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our